Happy podcast day, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Development by David podcast. And on this week's show, we have Josh Bridgman, IFBB Pro. Ever since I first stepped foot in the gym, I've been a huge fan of Josh. He's documented his bodybuilding career that almost spans a decade. He is a pro bodybuilder, YouTuber, online coach, and owner of One More Rip merchandise. Today, we speak about how to turn pro. And although Josh has a very specific bodybuilding lens on this, we speak about it more generally. Essentially, how to turn professional in any realm. It's very universal, regardless if you're a gym goer, a bodybuilder, or just a businessman or an online coach, or whatever you are, this is universal to you and me and to all of our community. So again, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode and please, please, please send me your feedback and share this episode as wide and far as you can. It would make my everyday. But for now, let's speak with Josh. Josh Bridgman. I mean, Josh Bridgman, IFBB Pro, is in the virtual building today. How are we, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate it a lot. No, thank you, mate. Are you used to hearing IFBB Pro after your name when people introduce you yet? <laughs> Not yet. It hasn't happened. I haven't had to be introduced often, so... <laughs> Nah, it'll take a little bit of time. Maybe maybe after I compete as an IFPB pro, I'll get used to it. <laughs> For the listeners' sake, um, who aren't familiar with like bodybuilding and IFBB pro, can you give the listeners uh, a lowdown of what it means to be an IFBB pro? Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, uh, it probably doesn't sound so impressive, but it basically just gives you the ability to to compete at the highest like possible level. It's like a, a qualification that you need to get in order for you to have to compete at the highest level, which is, which is the Olympia. You can start that journey. So it's, uh, it's, while it's only one like achievement that you have to get, you go from amateur to pro, it's pretty hard to get there. Like It's not like a, an easy feat to do because I've been trying to do it for quite a while. So Yeah, and it's, maybe some of the listeners follow you on YouTube or Instagram and they'll know how long that journey has been. I mean, I've followed you and found deep inspiration from that journey, probably since you started documenting it, mate. And when you won your pro card... And you won the amateur Mr. Olympia in Alicante. It was almost like watching, like watching a mate win the card. If that makes sense, <laughs> like because I've been part of the journey through like YouTube and Instagram. And now that you've amassed like a hundred k followers, up, like spread across both platforms, um, and you get people stopping to take pictures with you because you've been like you've added to their personal journey. Like even I sent you a picture when you won the pro card. Like congrats, mate! I remember meeting you and hearing this journey four years ago. Yeah. How does it feel to have so many virtual friends? They know every facet of your life, but you don't even know they exist. It's 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 very very surreal. Like you don't have. I'm not in the place where I'm used to that type of thing either. Especially it's been like obviously increases as you as you grow as on a social media presence. Um, but like I felt like that about people. You know what I mean? Like that's how I fell in love with like trying to share this style of journey. Like I try and create a story. I try and give something that people want to watch ultimately um, because that's what I fell in love with. Like I, I felt like I knew Christian Guzman like the back of my hand. I felt like I knew my ogres like the back of my hand, all those types of guys back in the day when I first fell in love with like YouTubing. Um, so I kind of just had the blueprint there for me, which is quite good. You have people like Guzman and then you have like the, the older generation like Arnold and such who like oh, bodybuilding and gym culture is almost like a cult like when we idolize one of these characters we go full pelt like we'll buy all their merch buy all their supplements and if we see them on the street then we're 
we become fangirls. Are you ready to accept that as you move towards Mr. Olympia and hopefully one day, and I know you will achieve that, are you ready for it? For sure, for sure. Like it's part of, uh, I don't want to say it's part of what I signed up for because I never expected to be in a position where, that, I don't know if that, I can't, I, like, that's quite hard to fathom even thinking about like, you know, that on that scale. Um, but for sure, like this is, I'm here for this. Like I, I, I feel like I am here for this and like to be able to create good educational content, you know, along with building my brand and all these things that have a lot of meaning behind them. And, and like, I can feel the impact and I've seen the impact it's had on people. And this is just, you know, the, the, the bigger and wider that happens, like the better for me, you know, more people that come up to me and say, you, you help me this, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's, that's what I want to live my experience on this life for. And Josh, I think as fans or followers or virtual friends, whatever you want to call it, we've seen you step into that role. Like we have seen you turn pro and accept everything, the sacrifices, the highlights and the lowlights of turning pro. And that's kind of what I want to get out of this podcast today is understand what it takes and in a general term, just to turn pro in any aspect of life. Do you think we can achieve that? For sure. Awesome. Before we talk about what it means to turn pro, can we take it back to the beginning? Where did it start? What were you like as a kid? And uh, what was your dream job going up? Uh, so always sport. Like I was always into sport. I was naturally skinny dude. Um, played a lot of football. Played football to like quite a high level. Aston Villa youth team. Uh, I kind of got sick. Like I got quite put. Not, I don't want to say I got pushed, but there was a lot of pressure on me to perform. I had. I think. I think in hindsight, I had a lot of performance anxiety back then, and I couldn't perform at a high level when I needed to. But as soon as I took that pressure away, I was like I was at that high level and I knew that I could have been at that high level and for whatever reason I just packed it in and I started playing rugby then I played rugby to a like pretty high standard as well um and then similarly or actually I based off my rugby career I chose my like my university based off that because it was quite a good sport it was, it was Loughborough I went to and um essentially I just got injured literally I just got injured just before and the only thing I could manage to because it was my knee the only thing I could carry on with was just the, was the Olympic lifting not the bodybuilding but the strength and conditioning side of it because that's all they told me to do to keep up where you are you've got to stay in the gym or whatever so that's why I did upper body and and a bit of back and I kind of learned a little bit about progression and that's when YouTube started coming I mean this is 2012 so this is when YouTube wasn't big but then YouTube started being a thing then I found the fitness side of things in in, in university absolutely loved that then kind of just did my own bodybuilding without even knowing that there was like like uh, federations and, and places you can compete walked into the gym there was a leaflet for mr university and i was like oh that's interesting i know mr universe i know uh, mr olympia and literally just got convinced into it from a friend and like, like i still had that real bad performance and anxiety to do that but i pushed on stage anyway actually didn't, I did did pretty well in that, and I just kind of fell in love with that process. And since then, like, I've just competed and competing for years. Do you think the motivation to compete in Mister University is the same motivation to compete now? Like, was it for girls or uh, a reason for others to look up at you back then? But now it's because you're wanting to turn it into a career. Was the motivations aligned? Um, I think loosely, like I think largely they're the same dream but it's more refined now because I, I know the end path but I didn't necessarily even think about that then but it was just to showcase like the hard work that I felt I was doing in in silence not that I needed to show off to anyone but I just like I appreciated the competitive side of it I appreciate that 
there were other like-minded people that were going up against each other because I'm a competitive person. That's just me. Like I need that that competitiveness in my life. And bodybuilding is very, very competitive, but when it's just you every day, not like a team sport, not against someone, you can't get physical against someone. It's it's, it's not the same type of, of competitiveness as what I used to get, but I need that. And um, I think, yeah, that's what I can push. I think it being such a solo journey is an aspect of it turning, of, of, as an aspect of turning pro, because you need to face the reality. If you lose, it's you that's lost. You can't spread the load to anyone else. You need to take full accountability for the full journey. Would you say, would you agree with that, Josh? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, large, largely, and you've got to become. While while it's you that loses, like it's not just you that feels the effects of losing. So that's also something you've got to consider, right? You've got family, friends, people who who fifty thousand people expecting you to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember. Was it your your Portuguese show where you didn't uh, walk away with the, the pro card? How, how did you deal knowing that your fans are going to receive that news? Um, I think I'm, I'm like, I'm feel like I'm pretty removed from what people say. And I don't want, I didn't want to, I don't want that to sound like I don't listen to what my fans say. Like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm down to earth enough to understand when there's something that I should probably pay attention to. But when it's like, you're going to win this hundred percent, hundred percent. You don't know who turned up. You didn't know anything about the competition. Like those are the ones that you've kind of got to ignore to a certain extent. Um, in the media, like I don't even look at my phone, bro. It's just literally me, my coach, my girlfriend and my mom. And I'm just sat in silence. I'm just like, fuck it. They were, they were all just like, I don't know what to say, but I need that 30 minutes, literally 30 minutes of silence. I literally walked out. No one said anything apart from cow. It was just like, that was, that was Rob. That was, and that was, that was literally it. Looked at a few videos, got in the car, drove home. And by the time we got home, it was about a 20 minute drive. I was like, cool, let's done. Cow, what, what are we doing? How do we move forward? And that's, that's, that's all I needed, um, just move forward. And whatever happens in the DMs, the amount of people that say, you should have got that, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It didn't happen, let's go. I don't need to hear that I was robbed. I don't need to hear that I nearly got it. I don't need, that doesn't matter, it's done. Let's go to the task at hand. So I can, I'm, I can remove myself from it when I need to because the competing comes first. And I know that if I took all that stuff in, the competing gets affected and the competing comes first we spoke about taking full uh full accountability and full responsibility for your journey and then we spoke about removing yourself from uh, the opinions of others i guess there's there are two traits of turning pro at what point did you turn pro like when did you start behaving training thinking and acting like a professional in the game was it also was it in tandem with your uh choice to become an hands uh probably before that probably before that um that's a really good question i like that a lot because there's that big quote that people use you know want to be like a pro like a pro now and i really just bought into that at least two years before i started using which was in 2018 so at least 2016 2021 now but at least five years that i have been a pro in my head right and and, and acted and been the part um slept dreamt recovered everything bodybuilding um and i did like i did that for two years naturally after being natural for you know 24 years and i was like shit like that's not i'm not getting the return that of what i'm putting in and sacrificing so then that's what obviously kind of helped my decision to kind of go where i needed to go um so yeah like literally a good five years until it happened what would you see were the main things that changed like as part of that leveling up process? 
like like initially when you say okay i'm gonna act like a pro okay so you can eat like everyone else does train how everyone else does recover however does i think those are the obvious things like you just start doing everything 100 as you should be doing um but more like the confidence that it builds like over over the time of of just re- knowing that you're putting in that time and then you're seeing the rewards of your effort you know in 2019 like i knew that i wasn't gonna be a pro but i could look at it and i could see right it's 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 there and the sacrifice is worth it and it kind of builds on that confidence um yeah i think that's probably the main thing i think like i said we did see you embody the role of a pro and i also saw uh in terms of your training the complexity and the technicality of it changed. Like I started to hear you speak about like resistance profiles and biomechanics, which I don't even begin to understand. Was education in in terms of bodybuilding uh, a big aspect of turning pro? Did you have to learn to grow? Uh, No, 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 definitely not. Because I I was sort of training like that anyway. Uh, I I, I think a lot of people train how I talk about. I just like make it make sense in terms of like biomechanics right like most people like to get a warm-up before right and i you know it's just like well i say like do a pec day before because you just like it warms up you get a better control and i can just put like or i can always coin what they're already doing and a lot of what a lot of people are doing and then if they're not thinking about it it's something you need to think about um i definitely did like i did that i like jp as a coach for ages so i literally just did all that stuff for years and years without really knowing it and the education side came when I shifted to um, a different coach, Cal. Um, and I kind of, since then, I was like, right, alongside my coaching business, I need to level up my coaching was kind of the main the main reason. Like I actually, I didn't need, for me, I don't need to, and I don't think people need to learn everything about bodybuilding to be very good bodybuilders. They just need someone who is very good at it, right? Like that's why some pros don't have a fucking clue. They just listen to their coaches. Like I'm, I would be happy to do that. But I want to, I like, per, on a personal level, like, and a moral level to my clients, like, I always want to be leveling up and just my knowledge on the level up. So that's why I've learned that. But I definitely trained like that before, knowing that I was doing it. Have you seen any pros compete or reach their pro card without a coach? Yeah, there'll be loads. There'll be loads. Really? There'll be loads. I just think, I just think, I just think that coaching is more prevalent now because of social media, right? There'll be loads of them. There'll be loads of people, for sure. How important and the process of turning pro has your your tribe of pals been? Did you have to remove anyone or adapt your your tribe uh, to suit that North Star that you had? Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily go out of my way to just like chop them off, but it was definitely like uh, the ones who perhaps didn't necessarily add to the conversation, and it was maybe the other way around, where I was trying to help them the whole time, which is. A good, like a good friend but it, you know selfishly like i can't have i can't have that pull me back right now right because in my head i'm a slingshot and if someone pulls you back too much i'm not gonna be able to go as far when i when i kind of when i when i keep going so and i feel like once i'm where i need to be i can come back and finish those relationships but no nah, for sure like people who who pull me back i had to separate myself and people who who pulled me up they're the ones i got closer to people who were better than me are the ones i got closer to I do strongly believe in that cliched statement, like you become the average of the five or 10 people you surround yourself with. I think the content and the books you read and all that stuff as well that you surround yourself with adds to that journey. Um, In addition, I know how like open you are about assistance in terms of anabolic uh, steroids. 
there's obviously a point or a moment in time where you had to bring that to your mum. I know how close she is as part of the journey. How did that conversation go? Uh, it, like it wasn't like a out of the blue. I mean, bodybuilding being the sport it is, like for years and years, I was like, oh, he's on steroids, he's on steroids. So the conversation of steroids wasn't like, oh my God, what? Is that even a thing? Like we, we both, like she's not stupid, she knows, like we know. Um, and actually we're in Venice or for her birthday. I took her to Venice. 2017, uh, no, 2018 it must have been because I started a couple of months after. And I just said, like, look, this is the this is realistically where I want to be. This is not going to happen naturally. I said, like, even if I want to be a pro naturally, I could do it. I could do it in two or three years, but I don't want to be there in two or three. I want to be on the limb here in two or three years. Um, and she kind of maybe naively, because she doesn't necessarily know the the long-term effects and the effects as well as I would have done. She's like, look, no regrets. Like, don't, if you think you're going to regret this, like, go for it, you know? So we kind of went fine. <laughs> I love watching the uh, relationship that you have with your mum when you share it online. Um, and you know that some of the, the big bodybuilders, the big named bodybuilders are still quite, they're not transparent about being uh, super physiological. Um, I don't know, I don't know really why. I can imagine why, but you and your mate Tom have really shifted the narrative and shifted the needle on it. Um, are you still quite hesitant to be fully transparent or like promote it because you might think, for example, your successes might be negated because someone can slap on the term like, oh, yeah, no wonder he's in that shape because he's on steroids. Are you still quite hesitant to be fully transparent? Um, I think the only thing I'm hesitant about is the way I present it. Like, I am fully transparent. I talk about everything except for, like, the exact dose that I took. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's, the way I make the decisions is, like, what's the pros and what's the cons? Like, of course, there's going to be some people that are going to go, oh, Josh took that and looks like this, I'm going to try that. You know, and there's not really a benefit in knowing the milligrams as long as you know that it's the minimum that I possibly need. Like, that's me personally. At three years in, having done X amount, like it's not going to be the same as someone who's doing 10 years or one year. Like it's all different. And some people can't utilize testosterone. Some people can't use this because it doesn't react well. I have people who use half the amount of testosterone that I do because they aromatize too quick. So it's, it's, it, there's no benefit. In fact, there's only negatives of potentially knowing the milligrams that I use because you might just go, right, I'm going to try that or half. Like there's no relevance. It's irrelevant. And you might just have a bad reaction to that. So it's, it's, I'd much rather just avoid that and, explain it the best that i can possibly but other than that like there's nothing there's nothing that i really hide too much and taking that leap to the assisted realm of bodybuilding how easy was it to make a decision was it already made within that pro mindset um definitely not like definitely not um because i believed that i could do it naturally like so i was i was there like the whole time um I think like the idea of it had been in the back of my head for, for like a year or so, got a little bit more serious towards that time. And then as the realization hit, like, I think, I think I just needed to hear my friends and family saying like, yeah, go on, like, this is it. But really I was, I was there, you know, I had the typical hesitations that everyone did, but I don't, no regrets yet. Yeah. I watched one of your recent videos. Uh, I think it was your, yeah, it was after your, your recent show day. And there was a beautiful moment in the video, Josh, where just after you won the pro card, you said to your girlfriend, Amy, how long was it since we last ate a meal together? And she mm -hmm. replied something like, a year. 
and then you respond yeah at least one that didn't have to be uh weighed on a set of food scales and i think that piece of dialogue that beautiful moment just captures and um brings to light the, the sacrifices to get to where you are josh like tr- truly josh what have you sacrificed for for that pro card um and, and for like for me like the sacrifice comes to things that i'm pulling away from other people right like i'm i'm working towards my goal i'm living my dream but it's the people that are help helping me facilitate my dream so like every meal like my mum would weigh out every single piece of food that i'd have you know for the last like three four years whenever she's cooked or like if if i come back and she's like are you weighing it and i'm just like yeah because how much like just like instantly 200 400 like if she's making a meal for me or whatever like my girlfriend when i'm on like when i'm on prep for example like it's nothing for six months like it's four months it's monk mode it's no you know we can potentially do something at the beginning of prep for the first like four to six weeks but after that like i need to i need to switch it on and it's like we can't have meals out we can't really go and do things because my energy is for training my energy is for being a bodybuilder you know like if i'm programmed x amount i'm gonna do that not anymore not any less uh like, and then let alone like the stress of prepping the stress of putting drugs higher the stress of being in a in a, in a state where you're pushing the boundaries a little bit like you're gonna you're gonna push that um that emotional barrier you're going to push the psychological barrier it takes a mental mental weight as well you know if you're someone who is anxious i'm a little bit anxious sometimes that gets pushed as well and then you're trying to juggle all your businesses like it's 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 sometimes quite hard to find the balance and something that i struggled with just like the guilt of like actually like actually that sentence is like like what she been doing for that six months she's just been waiting or like kate every now and again with her friends but not having that full relationship and obviously this year was a little bit harder because for six months it was it was coronavirus so we couldn't do anything and i didn't live with her for then either so that's something else i forgot like when the coronavirus hit like the only gym that i could get to train at for four months was back home with my mum. so i left my girlfriend in london in the place i was paying rent for four months so that's fucking six thousand pound down the drain but you, you in pursuit of the dream like do you know what i mean like no no, no money to value is going to be placed on, on achieving this dream and i'm lucky enough i've got a girlfriend who says you know what you, you go down there you, you, you know come back every two weeks do whatever i need to do i had to start my prep there then i had to move back halfway through because the coronavirus um restrictions lifted so everyone just facilitates me right so it's a very selfish lifestyle and sometimes you're like that's quite selfish yeah. <laughs> you kind of get that guilt sometimes I guess. So they don't second guess it. They just do it because <laughs> they understand. What what a tribe, mate. What a tribe and what a testament to you and uh, the relationships that you have. Being selfish is often coined as like a negative term. But do you think turning pro, do you think prior to turning pro, you were less willing to be so selfish? Do you think you made compromises in comparison to now where uh, it's straight dead and narrow and you're, you're fully embodying the, the pro mindset of? And as part of that, having to be selfish. Uh, I think I, I think I've probably been selfish for the last five years. To be fair, um, and I've only known my girlfriend for three years, so it's it's just been one of those things where I've just got that one track mind. Like, don't get me wrong; it sounds very selfish, and people are going to say, "Like, what do you get in return? You just get a card." Like, no, no, no. Like, there's obviously lots of things that come with that. I've got lots of clients. I've got, you know, you know, building a business, and there are things that are obviously going to come into fruition later down the line. But 
yeah, like yeah, literally the last five years it's just been on. It's been like less. How can I facilitate? And if I don't want to do something, it doesn't it doesn't happen really. I've I've never really I've never really thought about it in the sense that being selfish in the bodybuilding aspect has other implications on on others. Sorry, I always thought yeah, the implications happen directly to you as the individual because um, you're perhaps operating in a, a, a low calorie diet or you're uh you're training to absolute failure and you're risking maybe injury at times and then you've got this assisted anabolic aspect of that but never ever personified or thought about it in the sense that you're you, you could be damaging other people's lives not damaging but pulling away from the quality of their life and the For commitment sure. there the commitment there is absolutely incredible a story of many many of leaps of faith uh the biggest of course being like damaging relationships do you ever think, or how do you deal with the thought of spending all these years, all this money, all this commitment, and putting perhaps your health at risk or your longevity at risk to never achieve that goal? Like, how do you deal knowing that that could possibly happen? Uh, it's very, very, very far in the back of my mind. Um, I sort of don't, I don't entertain the thought of that not happening, really which is maybe extremely reckless or it may pay off we'll find out in due course but uh like I've, i still think i've got plenty of time like it's, it's one of those ones where i can see the potential and that's enough for me to go for it like that's enough that's enough for me to go right i can this year like i looked at that physique and i thought i know exactly where i need to improve and that could i could do it i could do what i dreamt of you know i can see it so that like for me that's enough and that's all i think about um and it's i would say that at the point and i'm just thinking actually logically like at the point of where i'm realized right i haven't got it and i've got to quit i would like to think that my career wouldn't rely on it so it would sort of like even like money wise it's going to be fine um or financially it's going to be fine so yeah, I just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to keep chasing it until I think, right, that's, I can't do it. And I don't see that happening. It was really rich when you said that that one thought is so far at the back of your mind. Your, your recent season, you coined it on Instagram or just coined it altogether. The time is now. I think I read one of your captions. I think I've got it noted down here. It says, the time is now. When I started this prep, this series, this pursuit of this card, the time is now. It was never meant to uh, mean in an arrogant way but more psychologically being in that place mentally to get where I needed physically hearing that and the fact that that one thought was so far at the back of your mind how important has manifestation been for you yeah unbelievably unbelievably and I didn't even I don't even know how I started I didn't watch some guru talk about it I didn't, didn't watch it on YouTube saying you need to manifest your dreams I just I just had slivers of of belief and they grew you know and they grew and they grew and like i have I've, I've always had realistic expectations and i set them from 2019 and i you know i achieved them and i looked at that physique and i thought like if i can do what i need to do in that time and i didn't wasn't 100 percent sure whether i could do it um then then i know that i could i, I knew that i'd be good enough and then it just grew and it grew and it grew and almost to the point where maybe eight eight to ten weeks out i'm like yeah i know like this is it like it's on it's fully on and that's just from there i, I don't ever want to lose that mindset you know so i'm now it's just gonna i'm immersed in that mindset so yeah that's caffeine to my day mate that's absolute caffeine to me 
can we talk about your uh your show day in Portugal and the outcome and then how you stopped self-doubt creeping into your brain going into the Alicante show? Sure. Um, so even 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 backstage, you don't fully like you know how I know what I look like. I've seen pictures. I know that looks really good. Like I took one picture back backstage at the MK Classic three weeks earlier with Cal. I thought, ooh, like that's yeah, that's that's me. I can't believe that. And I'm I'm, I'm leaner than that now. So I knew that I'd look good. But when you see them take their top off and like I'm in the I'm in the tool class as well, so it's everyone over one eighty five, like they're big boys, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know what this is gonna look like next to them. You don't truly truly know what you're gonna look like until you stand next to them. You don't know until the judges say they move you, right? But like I, I always know that like I've I know that I've got the aesthetics, I know that I've got the shape, I know that the condition's in. It's just how if I'm big enough. Because that's that's always been the feedback. And then uh yeah, like the moment they moved me into the middle, I'm like, cool. There, there we go. Like that's that's exactly the confidence that I needed. That's that's now I believe. Like now I believe like these guys look bigger than me. And then I see the pictures and I'm thinking, I am just as big, if not bigger than some of these people. In terms of actual size, the condition was perfect. Arguably, my Portugal show was better than my Alicante, to be honest, personally. I think the look was was actually a little bit better. I was much sharper through the midsection. Uh, and then, obviously, I won that class. And I thought, like, this, you know, the tall guys always look good against the smaller guys, because especially if they're, if they're muscled, and I'm like, cool, I must be muffled. And people come up to me backstage saying, well, I didn't expect you to look like that when you took your top off. I'm thinking, what? Is that me? Yeah, like, is that me? Like literally, I was like, I was gassed. <laughs> These guys literally just like coming up to me saying, "Oh, yeah, you just your physique is perfect," and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" Man? I'm like, next to Cow and Cow's, like, I fucking told you. Like, he's, <laughs> he's he's always like he's known from day one. He said, "You're going pro this year. Like, you're going pro this year." Like, like almost like laughing it off. And uh, yeah, so then I saw the guys who won the overall or won their, their classes. Short guy. I just couldn't pose. I knew that I could be in. The, there's another guy I thought mm, would be close, and there was the one guy who'd won the week before in the in the Portugal. I followed him on Instagram. I personally preferred my physique, and personally, I'd say that I would I should have won that show. Um, and that was like that was enough for me. But the fact that I was like they moved me into the middle to compare to this dude, I was like right, like I'm, it's, it's going down this year for sure. If I don't get it here, it's, it's going down this year. Um, but I knew that in my head, like, and I, I kind of knew that I perhaps could have taken the win. Um, but also what, it didn't give me like full confidence knowing it going into Alicante. I didn't definitely didn't go in and go into Alicante thinking like this is wrapped up now, um, for sure. But I definitely had confidence in the fact that I'm pro level now. Because in my in my opinion, another day I would have beat that guy. I would have smoked that guy. Any like any other judges, like I would have beat that guy. So I knew I was at that level, and I knew it was a case of just knocking on the door. Um, but man, each weekend came with his own anxiety. Like I had that show on Sunday, and my flight was Monday, so I had to cancel that flight to go to Alicante. And the same the following weekend if I didn't get it then. So that's what I was about to ask. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't have Alicante or other shows booked after portugal right so as soon as you, you you didn't get the pro card you had to mobilize during a pandemic and sort out the show for um yeah. alicante like what had to be done like what yeah. back end? so i we knew well, i knew obviously i'm only focusing on one thing at a time 
but I knew there was Alicante. I knew there was Ukraine the week after. I knew there was somewhere else the week after. So I knew I had this run of pro shows because I'd booked it that way. Um, but like literally, we I got off stage, luckily a little bit early, like 2 p.m. maybe in Portugal. Had a little mope around. And I'm like, right, I've got to find, I had to reschedule my flight. Fortunately, we'd already got PCR test done because we were supposed to fly back. So we already had our PCR test done, but I would have had to got a PCR test. I had to fly to Malaga because we couldn't get a flight to uh, Alicante or Madrid. Then we had to rent a car and drive six hours. So we drove six hours to and then dropped off the car. Um, and then spent the week in Alicante, which was which was all right. Um, but yeah, like it was a little bit hectic. And then of course, like, Alicante was a missed, was an amateur Olympia, so it's harder. There's more people there. There was 67, 70 people across all the classes there. So I'm like, I got to beat all these people. I'm like, okay, so if I don't get it here, then we've got to go to Ukraine. But I can't go to Ukraine because I've got to get a PCR. And just have, you know, so I had the same thoughts running through my head, but I'm like, I can't think about that. I've got to just keep my head down and, and just go for it. And good job, really, because we didn't finish till about 11 p.m. So yeah, that was that was also hectic. We need to talk about show day, mate. Just let me know. Just let me know about show day, uh, the events of the day, and your your ultimately your amazing outcome at the end. For sure. So, um, I was. We didn't have to go there till four. I got there about three just to get my tan topped up. Got my tan topped up. Um, took some pictures. And I was like, yeah. Cows like these are the best best pictures I've ever looked, best I've ever felt, and it was like I was absolutely on. Probably then I was probably a bit better than Portugal, but I was dry. I hadn't drunk in ages, hadn't eaten in ages, and I had to hold that until quite late because we were supposed to come on at four thirty-five, but we didn't go on till about till about eight in the end. Um, basically went, went watched the show for a little bit, um, probably till about six-ish, and then I kind of realised that we were going to go on maybe in the next hour maybe an hour and a half. So we went backstage. I went backstage with my girlfriend. We were just trying to find all the men's physique guys. There's no men's physique guys. Walk all the way to the back, down the back of the stage. Like the biggest hall, it's just men's physique guys. It was literally so many men's physique guys. And I'm just like, <laughs> I try and I try and, try and stay awake because I get a bit overwhelmed with it sometimes. I get a bit in my head just looking at people. So we went and sat down in a corner and uh, I was just there thinking, fuck that. We're just sat in this little corner and I've got to beat every single one of these dudes right now. Like I've got to beat every single one of these dudes like to get this card. Or at least 63 of them, if it's the top three that are getting it. Um, and we just kind of sit there, like we watch the small class go on. I'm fucking make good. You see the winner come off, you're like, poof, like shredded. Um, then like uh, I hadn't had any salt or water yet, so I put a bit of salt and water in. Um, because under my top, I'm thinking I'm feeling a little bit flat. Um, put the salt and water in about 45 minutes later I was on stage and I was just out back backstage getting pumped up I just noticed a few people looking at me I actually got a, a, Amy's got a, a footage of just coming behind me like this and every guy is just like looking at me like this and I'm thinking I didn't know whether they're looking at me like who is this guy or whether they're thinking like it's, I, it's, it's a hard one but it felt similar to Ukraine where people were like this guy's here to like party you know and I was like and I just I'm like, how is this me? Like, how am I the one? Like, who they're doing this to? And and I'm like, not. I'm just trying to ignore it. Cause I'm thinking that maybe it's not that. Maybe you're just gassing yourself. Uh, anyway, go on. Like, uh, I think that my class is one of the hardest of 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 the of 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 all of them. Um, they're really big dudes. They look good. Actually, two of those guys are now pro as well. Like, they did follow subsequent shows and they and they turned pro. 
Um, and yeah, like I came out last. Uh, I think I was last or maybe second to last. There's like eight people in the class, maybe 10 people. And so I was on the far right and I'm just like, all I got to hear is my number and move me in the middle. The first thing they say, 580, straight to the middle. Like that's the first thing they say. And I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. And they just kept me dead center, turn, turn and face back to them, moving other people around. I'm just dead in the center. And I know that like, and then they tell three of us to leave. We leave. I'm like, cool, that's top three. I'm thinking I'm in the middle. I should be number one, but you never want to truly believe that. Um, Amy runs backstage. She goes, I think you're top three. She goes, at least like you could be second or first here. And I'm thinking, yeah, I've got to win this. You've got to win this to go through the overall to get the pro card. She like runs back out. Top three come around. I'm already waiting where they say the top five are. Like I'm head on. Feel like a fucking wolf. Just like pacing, <laughs> thinking about what I'm going to do. Just man, I get into this war zone in my head and just, uh, you know, a little bit more of a pump up. Before they even tell a top five to come over, they start calling out the top five. I don't even hear my name because I'm just thinking about walking back on stage. But I don't obviously know that I'm in the top five. And then uh, they bring us out, do the winners, second, third, uh, sorry, third. As soon as they say second call, I'm in, like, obviously absolutely buzzing. Like, this is it. Now we can go to the real, like, the real ground. Uh, come back off. Wait a little bit for the overall. Fortunately, we're the last class, so the overall straight away. Um, so a little bit more of a pump up, come up. And I mean the same thing. I'm a tall class, so I have to come on last. So you go short, middle, middle, second tallest, tallest. I think there's six people. And all I gotta hear is five eight zero right there. All I gotta hear is five <laughs> is, is five eight zero. Um, for, the, for those who are listening, Josh has got five eight zero tattooed on his forearm or he's yeah. in a room. What's cool what's cool about this is obviously my mum wasn't there, but she was a big, big part of it. She actually like wrote it on a piece of paper and we had this technology that could uh, assess how he- how hard she had pressed it, so it's actually her exact handwriting and uh, like how hard she had pressed it in certain areas. That's so amazing, mate. That's amazing. Um, so anyway, like I got to hear, I got to hear five eight zero, and I don't even know who was in the middle. And they just say five eight zero and swatch switch, and I know that's me to the middle. And I'm like, ah oh, fuck. And I like I see Amy, and she's just going like that screaming and then like they don't move me they did not move me front and back front and back they move a few people around and i'm thinking well, i'm at least third and that's all i needed like if they move me in the middle i gotta be first or second so i'm like i'm at least third so you don't want to truly believe you won the pro card and then they they come out they say sixth fifth fourth and they say third for the for the pro card and they see the guy and i'm like sure i thought that guy was gonna beat me <laughs> and i'm thinking i know the other guy who was second i'm thinking i think i'm better than him at least from the back, I'm definitely better. And then they announced the second guy, and I'm just going, ooh, like you just this, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then it's like, and and to take your overall and new IFBB pro, you know, five eight zero Josh Bridgman, and that was just ooh, back in the room, back in the room, explosion, just like a feeling that it's in just in, indescribable feeling of achievement, just in, indescribable. Just how like to have my girlfriend right there as well, like just me and her, like, that was quite nice as nice as it would be, be to have um, eight, loads of people there having just her like just seeing that this is the dream it's been worth it like this sacrifice has been worth it i'm going there i'm going to the top you know so yeah man man like goosebumps every time i even i even think about it man i really every day mate the ecstasy of that moment radiates from the screen as i even watch it and it's amazing to see this big strong muscly man literally fold soft when he gets this piece of news yeah. 
it's such such a rich thing to watch and yeah. Josh I know and for those who, are, who, who can't see the, the video footage you pictured that moment dead center here in your your brain in your head I remember you speak about it right here between the eyes you pictured that for years that one episode was replayed every day every night since you started the fucking journey mate absolutely man did it I'm feel do the same to the Olympia. <laughs> and, and what I want to know though Josh right because you had replayed that one moment so many times hundreds of times did it feel familiar when it actually happened did, <laughs> did, did the buzz of it almost become muted because you had been there a thousand times or was it even richer it, like it was a hundred percent richer. It was. It was. It was. It was a thousand times better than I had ever thought about it. But the the it was like a deja vu. Like it was like a deja vu. Like I had because I had replayed this moment. I had replayed the fall to the floor. I'd replayed the feeling of knowing that it's going to happen. I had replayed the feeling of, like I'd put that in my head. Like you said, like I'd thought about that stage. I thought about my routine. I've done those eye walks a million times in my head. Like I've done. I've played that moment, like I said, like like it, it, it felt familiar, but of course, like the the feeling of it all coming into reality, those dreams just faded away, and it became like reality real quick, right? And that was that was that was what it was. It was dreams into reality, and it was just a feeling like um, um like it was unbelievable, so much better than than I'd ever imagined it. And I knew it was going to be sweet, and it was even sweeter than that. <laughs> Tell me now, mate, how did a pro celebrate? uh god you know what it's just about being with those people um so yeah we just went back had some food like everywhere was closed so we just grabbed some food like like we just chilled and didn't really talk about bodybuilding just just had that kind of separation for a little bit which was nice uh, but we actually flew back the next day i think we just had some good food like when we went away the weekend that, that was pretty much it man. it's all about catching up uh but very much like the dream is is now bigger so we've got, to, we've got to shift focus to that. I guess we need to move on to the next question subsequently, which is what's next for Josh Bridgman, IFBB Pro? Yeah, some pro shows, man. We're going to go compete next year. Um, see if I can put on, be, I want to be like 100 kilos on stage. I think that'd be nice, three or four kilos. Um, and just see if we can hang with the big boys and see see what the judges think of me. And then, um, but I'm going to compete like I'm going to the Olympia next year. That's for sure. Like that's how I want to do my season, and that's the mindset I'm going to have. This podcast aims to exist because I want to use Genesis stories and origin stories to motivate others to take tra- traditional and untraditional, conventional and unconditional career path. I want to know, in terms of financial stability or financial reward. How how robust is a career in, in bodybuilding? Or do you have to use a career in bodybuilding to act as a catalyst for other products, for example, coaching and uh, merch? Yeah. Like how how much in terms of a ratio, how much revenue comes from um your bodybuilding and how much comes from all the other stuff you do? Yeah, I've I've earned two hundred euros in bodybuilding earnings and that was in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you don't. You don't get money until you're at the top of the pros, and like you'll get like maybe three thousand dollars for a win or something, and like you got to win, like so you got to be like the best bodybuilders in the world. Uh, if you're in 
like men's physique specifically, you're not going to get much at all. I think the winner of men's physique, Mr. Olympia. So to be the best, single best men's physique athlete in the world, you get $20,000. Pretty cool. Um, Classic Olympia is $60,000. And then Mr. Olympia is $300,000. So if you are the bodybuilding Mr. Olympia, you've got to be the best in the world. You get $300,000. It's not, it's not the best paid, but like you said, like the top 10 to 15 people are probably earning quite a lot of money just through sponsorships, through they're probably not doing the type of coaching that we're talking about. They're probably doing like 12 week challenges and have coaches do it for them. And they're still making shitloads. Um, but, but for up and coming bodybuilders, you want to be focusing on building careers in, in online coaching, fortifying good knowledge. If you're a social media person, uh, you want to build a brand and try to do all three. <laughs> um, and that's where, that's where the like, there is a lot of money in bodybuilding, but not in bodybuilding, right? You've got to spread, you've got to be the bodybuilder, but, but spread your wings off that. That's insightful, mate. So if, if a kind of junior bodybuilder or junior gym goer wants to fulfill the dream of becoming a bodybuilder, what does success look like? Like, what are the main positives that it's brought you that aren't, aren't financial? Um, the discipline. The discipline was always something that I've been able to apply into the rest of my life, which I didn't necessarily have. Like I say the last five years I've been training like a pro, just so happens it's been the best five years of business, right? Because I managed to apply that pro mindset. Like why wouldn't it work? If you act like a pro in bodybuilding, you might become a pro eventually, right? If you act like a fucking Elon Musk now, like why would you not be an Elon Musk in five years? Okay, that's, uh, hyper, that's hyperbole, like an, an exaggerated example. But like if you, if, if you, you can't like I envision myself being the next Christian Guzman, the next Gymshark. I can see myself in that role like every day, and I'm just acting like I'm in that role, and I'm just gonna you know try and make those those decisions as though as what they would, and it's sort of working. <laughs> Josh, that's so tried and tested. I know listeners have heard some of my story. About two years ago, every single day, I wrote a positive affirmation, which is. I want to uh, be recognized. I want to be recognized by society for my significant impact on society and the communities. I want to leave a legacy that's unique and concrete. And I actualized that in December by telling my story to the Her Majesty the Queen over Zoom. And yeah. that, like it's it's so re- like doing doing that process, that discipline process, and manifesting every single day. If you if if you embody the role of who you want to be, it, it will come around. And you have done that, mate. Um, if you were to go back and speak to Mr. University, Josh, Josh Bridgman, what would you say to make the journey uh, either quicker or sweeter? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like one life, right? Let's just, I'll take it for what it is. I wouldn't give myself any advice. I'll just let, let, it, let it unfold how it was because life's pretty good right now. It's been shit. It'll probably be shit again, but that, that is life. It's that roller coaster. Um, I think I think I would have liked to have adopted this style of mindset, this true belief, this actual get up and go do it. Then, you know, a little bit, a little bit earlier because I did like not that it has any impact, but I didn't like really do much at university. Had a lot of anxiety and stuff that I had to deal with. But I, I'm a big believer that's all part of of who I am today. So I'd, I would have liked to have had this mindset a bit earlier, but I'm more than content that it's happening right now. Yeah, it sparks a quote from Naval Ravikant who says, a man has two lives. The second one starts when he realizes he only has one. Yeah. I think that's exactly, such a rich exactly quote. Right. That's the um, perfect quote. 
So if people want to get in touch, Josh, where can they find you online? Type in my name, Josh Bridgman, anywhere. You should be able to find me. Amazing, mate. Like I said, I feel like a virtual friend from following the journey for five years. I got to meet you at the Scottish Fitness Expo a couple of years ago, which was a privilege. Uh, I'm so grateful that you've stopped by today, albeit virtually, mate. Thanks. Awesome, man. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.